On this week's episode, we talk and we recap the Mizzou game where the University of Georgia was humbled by the Tigers, even in a win. And then we also preview the Deep South's oldest rivalry. As always, I'm Cheeto, and with me is Keegan. And welcome back to another episode of Dogs Off the Leash. And what turned out to be quite the opposite of what we predicted. I don't remember your score exactly, Keegan, but I went 56 to 6, thinking that the offense and defense would be on point going into SEC play. And it was it was the opposite. It was just the sloppy play that we saw in the week before just rear its head. And we did talk about Missouri and their front seven being not elite, but definitely capable of like pushing the Georgia offensive line. And it was even even more than that. Keegan, I want to just get your feedback or your initial reaction after the game. 26 to 22 dogs barely pulling one out and getting out of Columbia alive. Dude, to me, that's just SEC football. Missouri, you know, is not having like the best year in general, but like, you know, you're if you're an SEC program, you hire good coaches, you recruit good players. Even if you're like a, not as good of a team, you know, any the worst team in this league year to year has a, you know, not the highest chance, but a chance, a solid chance, a puncher's chance of beating the best team in the league year to year, you know, and there aren't too many Vanderbilts beating Alabama's, but it's on it's it's in the cards. And to me, it's like you go on the road, you got a young team. We knew going into the season, at least I felt like, you know, my consensus answer, you know, to people running into it's like, how do you feel about the dogs this year? Well, I think they're gonna potentially get, you know, 10 points more a game on offense. And on the flip side, I think they're potentially gonna give up 10 points more. You know, we've we've had some younger players making some mistakes. We've had a couple of guys injured, but there's really no excuse. You know, sometimes you just get your tail whooped. <laughs> and Missouri was whipping that ass, you know, for three quarters until Georgia came back from a 10-point deficit to kind of cap it off and finish. And at the end of the day, it's better for Georgia that it went down like that because this last game was going to be kind of sloppy and more the same following that Kent State game because I'm – I, I believe in the show me philosophy. It's like we get so caught up in wanting to predict instead of just like react to what you're seeing. It's like, okay, last week they're a little sloppy. You, you're going to predict they're just going to flip it on their axis. Like that's, that, that can happen for, you know, certainly it's an option, but like to me, it just seems like teams when they show you, they show you and then we'll talk and I'll talk about, you know, Georgia, you know, being on a whole nother level, getting it all together, Georgia being the Georgia we you know know and love. They're still one of the elite teams in college football. Let's not hit the panic button yet, guys. They're still pretty damn good. <laughs> but, you know, Georgia's got some kinks this year to work out. And and thank goodness that with, you know, a lot of the holes and the younger guys that are gonna have to step up and develop, you know, we got guys like Tyke Smith just waiting in the wings. We got uh, you know, guys like Stetson Bennett, Nolan Smith. You know, any Robert Bill, any of these guys that are, you know, every bit to be optimistic moving forward. It's good to have a game like this and learn from it. And I think that's what Georgia will do. So how how did you feel about this particular game? It being Missouri, a weaker SEC opponent, taking them to task. And what do you think 
is, you know, some of the bigger things in your analysis that, you know, Georgia should do moving forward. What did you see from that game? College football, especially within the SEC, it is a week-to-week league. You can have the best win of your season the week before and then come out and really just lay an egg the week after. It happens all the time. And I think for this Georgia team, we have been riding on the coattails of last year's championship and the number one ranking of this year without really having justified um, our our own season yet. Yes, we've had a couple of good wins at or, or against Oregon and at South Carolina, but the season is long. We've been dealing with some injuries. And again, this offense is not something that we've sustained over a year. This offensive production is very new to us. So it's it's still working out its kinks. The offensive line showed a bunch of cracks in a bunch of different areas. The defense is replacing how X number people from the draft last year. And while we do have talented new players, you still see, you still see offenses, especially Missouri picking on Keely Ringo. You, you, you saw a lot of uh, missed tackles and from the defense. And overall it was two turnovers, two sacks. The, the game started very poorly for the dogs. I went back and watched the video cause I wanted to be spot on, um, you know, watching it in the moment. Sometimes you're not paying attention to the details, but going back and, having a different set of eyes, sometimes a sober pair of eyes helps a lot. So uh, the, the offensive line really struggled. Again, gave up two sacks. We weren't really opening holes to run the ball in the first half. We weren't even running the ball a whole lot in the first half. Honestly, we were doing our passing game thing and it was a bunch of three and outs. We were held um, several times and ended up kicking a lot of field goals as did Missouri more so for them in the second half. Um, we did talk about their D line up front and I think it was a good game because, again, think about Alabama last year at Texas A&M. Same type of thing. They, they went into that game very confident. Texas A&M wasn't really clicking on all cylinders, and they found themselves in a dogfight. And they ended up losing that game by a late field goal. But that propelled and propelled the rest of their season and allowed them to look at their season in a different light. Like, we have to take – we have to take every game seriously. Yes, we're Alabama, but just because we're Alabama, we don't show up and just win games just because. Other teams are going to give us their best. And we, and and you saw Georgia you know, take a hit from that. Now, we just dropped to, to number two, so no harm, no foul, and we won. But I guarantee you Kirby is taking this game and applying it all week long. Like, you guys, you just got caught up in the moment, and it, it happens. It's human nature. But here we are. We have a lot of things to work on. Let's use this and build because we've only got two or three more games before we get to Tennessee and Florida and Kentucky. And I guarantee you those teams are ready and licking their chops. But before we finish up on Missouri, speaking of the week to week, I wanted to talk to you personally, and this is a very safe, a very safe space, Keegan, but (laughs) my guy, for those of you who may not know, again, Keegan, this is his first year in our fantasy league. And you got to bring it every week, but leaving 70 points on the bench, man. Talk to me. How, how do you feel? What, what's, what's going on, man? What, what happened this week? What happened? Bruh, Talk to me. I'm, family, I'm, Come on. I'm learning, I'm learning hard lessons here. I, I feel like I, lo- I'm, I basically gave myself an L. I don't know. I think I probably still at a loss because homie balled out this yeah, week. Yeah, Jarrett balled out, and that, that happens. But, again, sometimes points come into play if you're tied records. But I, what I saw was it looks like you're letting a little bit of your bias creep into your lineups, and that that's not going to win you in this league. But, again, it's every week in our fantasy league, same way it is in the SEC. So you can see some of the similarities there for sure. 
Well, I use my bias to inform my decisions. I stick with what I know, which is why like I do pretty well in basketball and I'll use my bias to my advantage. But yeah, this week it caught up with me and hopefully that doesn't happen again. But we you all know. been there. That was me. That was me the week before. Like I just couldn't get I couldn't buy a touchdown from any of my players. But uh, it, sometimes it's hey, it, it, it sobered me up. I, I'm, I've been making, you know, every week my team gets a little bit better. There so. you go. Just like That's just right. like Georgia and Al, Al, Georgia will and Alabama did let it propel you the rest of the season. Well, speaking of week to week, you know, you mentioned Georgia now ranked number two. You know, I don't enjoy seeing uh, George almost followed Missouri on the road, but you know, they were an unranked Missouri team. Alabama, the team that is now ranked number one, fully handled a very solid Arkansas bunch. So, and you know, on the road, mind you. So, to be able to do that in the SEC is, you know, what will get you ranked number one. And Georgia, it's a week to week thing. We overtook Alabama when they looked a little sloppy against Texas. You know, it's, it's our kind of thing now. And talking about the game itself, you know, we ran the ball 30 times, which is good. The bulk and of that coming in the second half, though, I think is important yeah. to note because we got back yes. to our bread and bo- butter yes. being down the way we were. Bread, <laughs> bread and butter. Just, bread and butter. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, you know, like Georgia, yeah, like you said, the first half, is, you know, a very pass-dominant uh, performance. And the thing is, is – Georgia is a really strong passing team. They're one of the best in the nation. So, yeah, you know, top 10. I understand I, hey, I understand leaning on that, but you are on the road in the SEC. Now, Todd Munkin, I know you are a smart offensive mind, but let me tell you about something, a little, little something about SEC football here now. <laughs> You're not just going to be able to pass, pass, pass all the time. you got to be able to play and match to the physicality of this league. It's one so of the trenches, for sure. We're going to have to work on that going into this next week. You know, it's, it's not necessarily quantity, it's quality. It's not necessarily yardage or, you know, or touchdowns or any of those things. Those are great. But it's about having enough balance to keep your defenses honest and have them respect the run. It's, but, you know, I like the fact that Darnell Washington was a major kind of X factor. You know, his stats weren't, you know, prolific or super impressive. But when he made plays, he made, you know, a huge impact. And, you know, the thing that you, you don't find just so readily is his ability to, you know, displace guys, as Kirby puts it, on the blocking side of things. So I really saw – him having a strong game. Did you see his locker room quote where he, he was literally asking the offense to run the ball behind him and he said that he wanted to move people? I think not, not just the stats because he only had 64 yards on three catches, but the mentality is like, Coach, I want to move people on the line of scrimmage. Let's go. Get behind me and let's go. Like you want let's your offensive, go. You want your offensive tackles and guards saying that. This is your tied in. And, yeah, yeah his catches were clutch and – Speaking, speaking of Darnell Washington, I, I have several people wrote down who I consider game savers in this game. Along with Darnell Washington, uh, I also wanted to talk about Dominique Blaylock, who we have not seen a lot of this year. But to me, I've been calling and waiting for him to step up. He came off, off, off the bench, essentially. three Again, just three catches for 42 yards, but these were clutch catches and clutch moments when Setson Bennett needed an outlet. And then on top of that, you cannot we do not win this game without jackpot. Pod was yeah. stuck on automatic four for four in field goal range, 
long, along of 40 yards and hit all his PATs. I think 14 points in total. Again, we won by four. So Jack Pod was also elite. And then credit to you, you were talking over and over again about how Dejon Edwards was elite. And I want to let you hit on that because not only did he show up, but Kendall Milton and, uh, you know, fumbled the ball early in the game which was, was one of our two turnovers. And then nothing wrong with Kenny McIntosh. He did his thing. But again, I just think Dejan, like you said, was consistent across the board. Yeah, he seems to be our best option running the ball. I mean, all our guys are good. You don't get to, you don't get in that Georgia running back room unless you're one of the best in the country, period. But there is a difference between, you know, one of the best in the country and what Georgia has been able to produce year to year. And we don't necessarily need that level of running back to establish our offense at a higher clip. We don't need that. But what we do need is guys like Dejon Edwards getting fed the ball, especially if, you know, like from my eye test, he's the best, you know, as far as like second level. and efficiency, dude, if anything. Yeah. I think he's the most things. Playing out most effective. Exactly. So with that, you got to, you got to at least look at that. You can't, you can't have a stat line. You know, it's like, okay, our our two best running backs, quote unquote, are, you know, averaging, you know, four or five, maybe six yards a carry, and then have a guy that's not really getting the ball averaging eight, nine, ten yards. And quantify that as yeah, as more successful all the time. Okay. I I would just have to know as a coach, is this an anomaly or is this should this be our guy? You have to question things like that. And you know, I know Georgia's probably got its analytic guys that are looking at things like that, but you know, some sometimes those kind of stats maybe get overlooked. And I Context think sometimes is still important. I think when you you're out there on the field smelling the grass, and you're one of these coaches, you know, in the heat of you know the practice, that's great and everything. But sometimes just t- stepping back and having a bird's eye view is nice. And you know, there's a lot of uh, armchair coaches out there in sportsdom. Period. But, you know, sometimes you're you're able to see some things and identify some things. So uh, I was glad that they, uh, I, you know, I know Kirby probably puts uh, the Off the Leash podcast on before every game just to see oh, if he obviously. missed anything. Yeah, you know, just make sure he's covered all his bases. So, you know, I'm sure. Due diligence. You know, Kirby. <laughs> Due diligence, man. <laughs> Hey, if that were the case, we're, we're, next year we'll just skip the podcast. We'll just get in the in the room, you know. Get the <laughs> right, right. We'll have to tell Amazon and uh, our our elective companies that be move the, over. Know, Dogs off the leash is in. <laughs> <laughs> we're coming to you live from the sideline. Kirby Smart's really, really pissed. Kirby, what do you have to say? I'm <laughs> telling like, you, but in all seriousness, like, in all seriousness, like I'm whatever conversations were going on at halftime in in the locker room with the coaches, something changed fundamentally kind of like the way they wanted to attack this game. And it it showed because we were down, uh, we were down 13 to zero before half. And I think down 10 at the half, we come out in the third quarter, second half, we gave up six points and scored 20 and we were down 10 again in the fourth. If you look at the yards, we scored, we amassed 300 yards versus Missouri's 100 yards in the second half. So, again, we got back to running the ball, holding possession, getting stops, not making the same mistakes on defense that we did in the first half. And it turned into us slowly getting possessions and capitalizing and coming out of Columbia with a win. And, again, these are the games that sometimes your season will turn around. It can, it can tank a season. 
but it can also really be the, the foundation of the building blocks that really propels you to the next level. Like, okay, we understand now what it takes and the type of performance that we have to have week in and week out. And if anything, shake up the depth chart a little bit. So these number ones don't feel like they're so comfortable in their position that they're always going to, they're, they're always going to get the ball. They're always going to be called upon just because they're there. Uh, it's good to see these number twos push these these first guys and putting the people out there on the field that are going to get the job done, that are going to execute the game plan week in and week out. I agree wholeheartedly with that. And I like the fact that we did come away with that W and we do have some lessons to learn. But one thing I'm not okay with is what happened to our big guy, Jalen Carter. That block was pretty dirty in my opinion. We, it looked we, like you know, Georgia Tech days, man. Yeah, that that was pretty ugly. Like I I understand shot blocks in general, and as like a smaller pulling guard back in the day, you know sometimes you got to do what you got to do. But the angle and where he hit him, considering he has been having like an ankle injury and such, it it just seemed. I don't know how targeted it really was. I'm not gonna make a full on accusation. Well, but. the rule. Let's just look at look at the the rule itself. The rule is when another player is engaged with. Another said player and a, a blocker who's coming to chop block goes straight down into the block versus engage up high and then go down. That is a chop block. That is dangerous because he's not paying attention to you. His leverage and his position is exactly that's, that's how you, that's how you hurt people. That was that, that, that was not cool to me. That's, like, that's not cool, man. I don't know if in that dude's head he was thinking dirty, but it definitely looked terrible. And, you know, thank God Jalen Carter's only going to be out for maybe, you know, a couple of games. But yeah, it, neg- it, negligence is not an excuse. Like, it you, was you can hurt people like that. That's not an excuse. Yeah, that was the L, I, you know, that really just kind of was upsetting to me. But, you know, hope it's a good thing that Auburn is not as good as they've been. And it's a good thing, I think, what we got Vanderbilt after that. So, it's not it's not the best stretch to lose your uh, your big star on defense, but it it at least it could have been a lot worse, you know. And hopefully we get him back. Hopefully he gets healthy and everything is remedied from that. But you know he's been banged up all season now, so we need him to get healthy. You know, it's like it, we can hold our own. We need him to you know step up, and we you know we need performances from him. But at the end of the day, we need him to get healthy, and I, I expect. Like the worst case scenario, the only reason we lose a game is because Jalen Carter's out. We're still probably going to make a push for the postseason, which we would need him. You know what I mean? So there's in no world is a is it important enough to get him rushed back on the field, given that we need him so so badly for like later on in the season with what we're trying to do. That that's kind of all I got for Missouri. Um, yeah, just understand as as a Bulldog fan, like a lot of people are going to be upset. Oh, I've already heard people. Oh, what's dogs aren't playing well? Like, listen, don't don't make it a habit of just regurgitating what you hear on ESPN. Yes, we had a down day. Yes, we are still one of the premier teams in college football. We had turn like again. It, it's it's just like when we played Alabama in the SEC championship. We, we got exposed and we lost by 17 points. And so many people were like, oh, you think you're going to beat Alabama in the national championship game just a few weeks later? It's like, yes, because football games consist of just a few plays and just a few changes that can make a big difference in the outcome. And it's the same thing like when we played Auburn in the regular season and got destroyed and came back and beat the Auburn Tigers in the SEC championship in 2017, which is one of my favorite Auburn moments, which leads us right into the Deep South's oldest 
rivalry and a great time for the Bulldogs who have not been playing well to meet Auburn at home. Georgia comes in now number two, five and zero versus Auburn's three and two. I think the line opened at 28 point favorites for Georgia. That's been pushed to 30. So Auburn's not getting a lot of love so far this year. Their losses have been to LSU and a close one lost to Penn state big, both games at home. And then they actually beat Missouri. I want to say it was an overtime game by three points to our four points over Missouri. So again, we're coming into this game needing some juice. Auburn is not a great team this year, but if anything, we have got to learn from last week. We have to come in, even if it's just like, hey, it's a rivalry and I want to take this game more seriously. Let's, let's do that, whatever it is. like It's time to get back to playing like the number one team. Let the voters do their thing. Let Alabama have their number one target on their back. That is fine. Not, not an issue for us. I want to see the play that we saw in the second half of Missouri for the rest of the season, ideally. That's what I want. But Keegan, your thoughts coming into the game versus Auburn, and, and definitely I got to hear your biggest or your, your favorite UGA-Auburn moment growing up. It, it's a crazy thing, dude. Like, I'm looking at this rivalry, right? And at one point in time growing up, the Georgia-Auburn rivalry was pretty serious. And it's not like where Tennessee has just completely fallen off. But since 2005, Auburn has only won four times in this, in this meetup. So that, that's the kind of thing where I get a little, like, anxious because I'm like, dang, it's been a minute. It's, they're due for one. It's like when it's been, you know, 2,000 years since the volcanoes erupted and it was supposed to, it's supposed to erupt every 1,800. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I get a little nervous as a fan when I hear stats like that because I'm, I guess, maybe more, less of an optimist when it comes to that. I'm more of a Murphy's Law guy when it comes to my sports. But uh, I, I, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on what you think about that sit you know in the last you know what 16 years Auburn's only won four games the crazy thing is is that Auburn has fired three coaches in that time with top two finishes (laughs) so I swear Auburn's doing it to themselves and you know if they would just hold out you know that Auburn would come back and beat us again but what what are your thoughts on all that and just uh, Auburn in general, their struggles as one of the most elite programs, period. Like, what, what do you make of that? You know, they're, they've, fought, they've finished many times in the top two in the last 15 years, but they've only managed to beat us but four times. What's up with that? I, I can only speak for myself. Uh, I won't speak for the majority of, of Dog Nation and Dog Faithful, but I think there are a lot of Dog fans that are just like me. Whereas, again, UGA Florida is probably the biggest of rivalries. But for me, something uh, something about the Auburn-UGA rivalry, just it just strikes a different chord with me. It's, it's my favorite, personally, because I've just been, I, I just feel more personally connected to the ups and the downs of the rivalry. And again, a lot of people may not be aware, but this rivalry is one that goes as close as we are in proximity and like all the similarities we have in programs and overlapping coaches. The series was basically tied for the longest time. And in recent years, UJ has pulled away because our program has gone up, whereas they've been kind of up and down. You know, they've since lost Gus Malzahn and Gus Malzahn. And as much as I 
Dislike Gus, he made the series interesting. He had that crazy offense and would always have these good players or take our good players and turn them into quarterbacks. And it would just be a very interesting game every year. Like I, like I just referenced to at the beginning of the, the segment where we lost to Auburn in the regular season and then beat them in the SEC championship the, the same year. Yeah, December, the same year. Um, but the series is actually 62-56 with eight ties in UGA's favor. Uh, again, Deep South's oldest rivalry. I don't know if a lot of people know this either, but UGA Auburn is actually the second most played rivalry in college football. Any any guesses on who may be the first or the most played rivalry in college football, Keegan? It may not. It's definitely not going to be what you may think it is. I think I know, actually, because <laughs> I was doing some research. All right, so. well, hit me with it. If you did the research, you're definitely entitled to uh, an accurate guess. Why not? I think it's Minnesota and <laughs> yeah, your boy did his homework. Good. We love, oh, we, love we love that. It is Minnesota and Wisconsin. That is Wisconsin. Awesome. There you go. Acts uh, as far yeah. as the award they give out. I, I didn't know that. I would think you know, like maybe like a Michigan Ohio State or you know Red uh, Red River Shootout or something of that nature. But um, but yeah, second second most played rivalry, and I think we're tied with uh, some Carolina teams, but. But yeah, and, and for me, I always reference the 2017 championship, SEC championship game because that's Kirby's first SEC championship here. The walk-off with DeAndre Swift, one of the one of the best plays in recent memory. But for me, it is the blackout with no Sean Marino. Um, and I want to say that was maybe like 2007. Like that one really as uh, a younger kid, you know, that one really stuck in my mind. And that's what that's one of the reasons no Sean Marino is one of my favorite players, definitely my favorite running back of all the running backs to come through UGA. So just a lot of memories there. And again, for Auburn, they it's hard for the SEC fan bases to not win at the level that they're used to or that they want to and hold on to coaches. I, I think most of them would definitely take back Malzahn now over Brian Harson, who's had his own off-court or off-the-field issues in the offseason with alleged affairs, uh, with some, with, uh, some of these co-workers or whatever which i don't blame him she's a looker but whatever the case is he, <laughs> he he got off and he's he's the coach now but again i think some auburn fans would have it another way um so i expect it to be a good game their front seven is still pretty good but i think that georgia this time i know i said it last week but this week we come back from the sloppy play we put it together offense defense clean up these turnovers and we let jackpot lesney chill for a week you know what I'm saying? Just chill for a week. Um, hopefully we get some new memories to throw into the rivalry lore because, you know, you got the dog almost biting the Auburn player, the blackout, Cam Newton, Nick Fairley, and, and then before my time, for sure. I'm just speaking to what's relevant to me in the in the rivalry. Old heads, don't come after me. Young Bucks, do your homework. But that's what I'm looking for. And I'm thinking that UJ gets back on track. I don't know if we'll, it'll push us to number one until Alabama falters, if they falter with Bryce Young being injured and their backup looks sharp on Saturday. But I like UJ to get back over 40 points per game and to hold Auburn under there. They look like they're about 12 to 15 points per game average. I'm going 41 to nine over Auburn to right the ship and clinch another dub in the Deep South's oldest rivalry. Yeah, so Georgia's won five straight against Auburn, which is great. You know, we're five and no, but we just had that sloppy week we've been talking about against Missouri. I think Georgia is going to come in focused, and it'll be great being between the hedges at 3.30. Hopefully they don't have the excuse of being, quote, hungover or being sleepy or whatever. 
you know, earlier in the day, which I can completely empathize with, but you know, we got to settle in and just try to do more of what is going to help us moving forward. We're going to have to run the ball more, you know, we're going to have to, uh, get a little bit more havoc on defense to be able to move the needle as a team getting better. I think we could come out, potentially do what we've done the last two weeks and get a W against Auburn because they're, they're just not looking that great. They're still an SEC opponent that we should take serious. They still have, you know, a pretty good offensive mind and Brian Harson running things and some, you know, future NFL players on the roster. With that said, we got to clean up, but we got to win big. I want a big win. I want uh, all Georgia to kind of reinstate themselves as and the And take it out on Auburn. Yeah, that would be – Yes. Exactly. I love yes, that. Please. The biggest margin of victory has been – 44 to zero. Yes. And that was Auburn. <laughs> and that was that, Auburn. So if we could overtake and that – you know And you know Kirby – you know Kirby's got a, his own little personal spot. <laughs> I wouldn't I I would be surprised that. if he's like, Munkin, I want a 50-piece. I want a 50-piece. And if you <laughs> let them cross the line of scrimmage – Let's if you go. let them cross the line of scrimmage, I'm pulling every single one of you. That's you that's the fire that I want. That's you all I'm. We go. We we go into Chick Fil A. <laughs> John Brown high parts. I'm putting my boot. Ugh, I'm telling you, I, I love that, bro. That's so yeah, I, I you know when when Auburn hired Brian Harson, I didn't know he was a little scoundrel, but I thought he was a pretty good coach. He's got nice uh, taste in women. He's got nice taste in women, bro. Okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I don't know if his wife would agree with that, but. For me personally, I like his days to women. So, all right, right, all right out there. Hey, look, here's some names we got to stop this weekend. We got to stop Jaquez Hunter. He's their running catch running back. We need to slow down Tank Bigs- Bigsby. Uh, I think his actual name is Contavarius. Contavarius. I don't even know. Probably why they call him Tank. That's probably why they call him Tank. I was like, okay, I'm going to roll Tank too, actually. Uh, you know, and Coy Moore, their uh, transfer wide receiver from LSU, he's been pretty solid this year. So uh, they got another guy, Javarius Johnson. He's kind of their short and speedy dude. Those are the kind of guys on offense I just looked at that we're going to have to slow down. But I think Georgia's going to run away with this one. And, you know, I, I got Georgia winning this one 43-8. to 43-8? Eight. Okay. Yeah. I like it. And they, they go for two out of morale. <laughs> and then potentially grasping Brian for might, if they beat their ass Brian Harson might be gone this next week that's, you think that's so? a, that that's a potential because around Auburn and just around football in general there's no patience and I know he's kind of been on the hot seat but I think they're just looking for a reason to get rid of their their coach like I really do so I'm I'm not saying that it's gonna Definitely happened, but it would not like shock me if it did at all because Auburn is just so like they're so corrupt in their like the way that their booster program is run. They're basically like shareholders. They make all the decisions to no like fault or uh, suffering of the like the college itself because like these boosters will just straight up pay for the coach's salary. So the college is like, shoot, if you want to buy them out and get us another coach, like be my guest, like. It doesn't really operate within reason like it would if it were a straight-up business where you got to consider losses and profit. They have outside money coming in from these boosters. You think so. the dude? You think the dude from Apple is in on it too? Dude, I, I 
Potentially, like I mean, I would. <laughs> if I was in on Apple like that, and I need my team needed some resources, like, hey, I got you. Well, well as soon as soon as Brian Harson said he was an Android guy, he fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna be honest. How would you say that? At least have a burner that's an Apple. Like, hey, come on now. <laughs> anyway, guys, that's just like you know my little pick on it, and we'll see about the whole Brian Harson thing. But I, it's crazy. Just three three coaches with top two finishes that you fired if that were uga mark rick would still be the coach he would be gone and we got we got a we got a minute and a half left so you better hit your pick six real quick buddy all right well first off we got texas and oklahoma an unraped cotton bowl give me texas i like texas dude texas is gonna keep on going with it tennessee at lsu that's a big one i like tennessee he's hot utah at ucla UCLA looks good, man. Their quarterback, DTR, looks great. But, yeah, I like Utah coming back, winning that one. Arkansas at Mississippi State. Give me Arkansas bouncing back from a tough loss to Alabama. I like that, against too. Alabama. Mississippi State's going to push them. I take Arkansas. Texas A&M at Alabama. Alabama majorly favored. You got the coach and rivalry. I liked what I saw from the backup. So whether Bryce Young plays or not, I like Alabama getting revenge last year and Nick Saban using last year as all the billboard material that he needs. I like that too. I think Texas A&M will surprisingly push them again and then Bama pulls it out. TCU at Kansas. Two undefeated teams. This Give me is Kansas. I want to see that story play out. Hey, buddy. I like that too. Kansas it is. You guys know what it is. Keegan, always a pleasure. Dog Nation, we'll see you soon, and you know what it is. Yes, sir. That's right, baby. I do it for the dogs.